Welcome to our Patreon Mostly series, Who's in Bloom? I'm your co-host of the Science Witch Podcast, Angel. And for this special episode we are putting out on the main RSS feed, I have to confess that I'm in love with lilac. I was recently on a witch walk, which we host through the Wild Witches of the Willamette, a loose-knit witch wide web that I am one of the coordinators for. I was telling one of the folks who had come to their first witch walk, who was new to the craft, how that I thought of being a witch was like always being in love, but with nature. And springtime for me is always such an exuberant time to romance all of the plants showing up in their finest genetic attire. The function stacking container of the podcast has kicked my already intense plant obsession up a notch this season. With the podcast starting to gain momentum, we have reached the point where we are going to be officially getting an LLC and looking to expand our offerings and creative projects in a way that is important and meaningful to keep account of financially. I have been taking care to save all of my receipts and track my expenditures of gas to pursue my worship of flowers, something that before I would have had to do on my own dime, but now I get to channel into the podcast to produce a more impassioned content about flowers. And right now, Lilac has me in love in ways that I can only liken to new relationship energy because I find myself feeling absolutely captivated by this shrub in its finest hour. And honestly, you would be too if you met lilacs like I've met them. They spend most of their time as an unassuming shrub with nothing to really make it stand out or set apart until the very brief and ecstatic bloom season, usually only lasting two to three weeks, where a profusion of flowers and panicles on branches blossom forth with the most divine fresh floral scent known to the nose. The colors of lilacs are like my favorite purple fairy cottage core vibes with palettes of blue, purple, indigo, and white, and with lots of gradients in between for each bouquet. Lilacs have so much allure, not only aesthetically, but fragrantly and culinarily as well. They are the flower kingdom's triple threat. And they only last but a short few weeks in which we have to feverishly revel in their scent clouds and sights. Lilacs have one of my favorite genus names in all of plant taxonomy, Syringia. The source of this comes from a Greek myth. According to the myth, Syrinx was a beautiful nymph who rejected all offers of marriage. Pan, god of shepherds, pastures, and forests, fell madly in love and would not take no for an answer. She fled until she reached a river too wide to cross, where she begged the nymphs of the river for protection. Pan arrived and embraced her, but found he was hugging a bush. Syrinx had changed into a lilac. Pan wailed in distress, and the lilac branches made a sympathetic sound. Intrigued, he cut the branches and glued them together with wax, producing the first pan pipe, or shepherd's pipe. This myth provides a story explaining why lilacs are called syringia. Syringia is a genus of flowering shrubs in the olive family Oleaceae. The olive family includes olives, privet, langustum, and ash, fraxinus. Lilacs are prized for their beautiful flowers, which come in a variety of colors, including white, pink, purple, and blue. 
They are also known for their sweet fragrance, which makes them a popular choice for landscaping and gardening. The genus Syringia is thought to have originated in the Balkan Peninsula and has been cultivated for centuries. The classical lilac is the common lilac, Syringia vulgaris, and has now been naturalized throughout Europe and North America. There are 13 species in the lilac genus Syringia native across Eurasia. At least eight species and their hybrids are available commercially. The earliest known use of lilacs dates back to ancient Greece. In ancient Greece, lilacs were associated with Apollo, the god of music and poetry. Lilacs also were used in ancient Egypt for medicinal purposes. The Ebers papyrus, a medicinal text from Egypt that dates back to 1550 BCE lists lilac as a treatment for a variety of ailments, including headaches, stomach aches, and skin problems. In ancient Rome, lilacs were associated with Venus, the goddess of love and beauty. In the Middle Ages, European ambassadors in Constantinople saw them in the Ottoman Emperor's palace gardens and brought cuttings home. Lilacs were planted across Europe and carried to North America. Planted in New Hampshire in the 1750s, the lilac is their state flower. George Washington planted lilacs at Mount Vernon in 1792. Settlers took lilacs all over North America. You can find big old plants growing in remote homesteads in the Midwest. Lilacs have been grown in the United States since before the Revolution and make regular appearances in American literature, from the poetry of Walt Whitman and Amy Lowell to the novels of Louisa Mary Alcott, Martha Hall Co Kelly, and Jane Kirkpatrick, as well as Kate Chopin's short story and many more. Lilacs have a number of medicinal properties. The flower and leaves can be used to make a tea that is said to be helpful for treating headaches, stomach aches, and skin problems. Lilacs can also be used to make a tincture that can be applied to the skin to treat cuts, bruises, and minor wounds. Lilac scent is common in cosmetics and perfumes, but those scents are artificial because extracting scents from the flowers is difficult at an industrial scale. The leaves are astringent and can be made into a face wash, as can the flowers. Otherwise, it's rarely mentioned medicinally. You can dye cloth with lilac flowers, leaves, and twigs, but few dye books include lilac. Apparently, it makes a poor dye. Lilac shoots can be carved into panpipes, spoons, and small bowls. Lilac has a number of magical correspondences. They are associated with the element of air, the planet Venus, the zodiac sign Gemini. Lilacs are said to promote love, happiness, and new beginnings. However, lilac folklore can be confusing. They are the flower of the 8th wedding anniversary and yet were also a funeral flower and considered unlucky to bring indoors. Furthermore, using lilacs for wedding and anniversaries and funerals seems unlikely because lilacs bloom in the spring when only a few funerals or weddings take place while lilacs are available. In general, lilacs represent beauty and hardiness, but also, with their short flowering times, life's brevity. I can attribute a large amount of my current intense love affair with lilac to the fact that it grows in such an abundance here in the Pacific Northwest and the fact that one of the largest and most famous lilac farms 
in North America is located just up the I-5 at Hulda Klager's Lilac Garden in Woodland, Washington. Hulda Klager was a German immigrant who came to this country with her family in 1865 when she was only two years old. She always loved flowers and would often go on wildflower hikes when she was growing up in Wisconsin. Her family moved to Woodland, Washington in 1877 when Hulda was 13 years old, where they purchased a farmland and built a home. It was there Hulda began to hone her skills as a horticulturist, first experimenting with apples to make a better variety for baking pies, and then later on, lilacs. Hulda is responsible for more than 100 varieties of lilacs and gave them liberally to her neighbors. So when her entire collection was wiped out by a flood in 1948, her community rallied around her to help her rebuild her collection. After her death in 1960, several of her children kept up with the estate, but soon found that they needed help to tend the sprawling and expansive gardens. The property was purchased by the City of Woodland in 1976 and the Hulda Klager Lilac Society was established to care for the gardens as well as maintain the beautiful homestead. The nonprofit continues the tradition of lilac days that occur every year from April 22nd to Mother's Day, which is always around 23 days, as I was told by one of the folks who vended at this event. Hulda was in love with lilacs. This is evident when you visit her garden. There are varieties growing all over with the nameplates, which she named after her family, including a lovely deep fuchsia-colored variety named Frank, after her husband. Her love for the humans close to her was channeled into the love of lilacs. And if you happen to be anywhere near the woodland area during the bloom season right now, it is an absolute must for plant chasers like me. There is also other incredible gardens that I have found in the course of researching this episode, like the lilac collections at the Royal Botanical Arboretum of Canada, located in Burlington, Ontario. Another famous place to take in lilacs that grow to a very unusual size is Mackinac Island, which is believed to be where the largest lilac bushes in the world are located and hosts a 10-day lilac festival every year in June. Another great place to take in the lilacs is Burlington, Vermont, where the Friends of Horticultural Farm host an annual Bloom Days that showcases some of their own varieties of lilac. One of the oldest lilacs in the Pacific Northwest is also a heritage tree and is located just outside of Eagle Creek and is known as the Foster Lilac. The original start of this lilac was brought from Maine to Oregon in 1843 by Mary Charlotte Foster, wife of Philip Foster, and partner with Sam Barlow on the Barlow Road. The Fosters sailed around Cape Horn, and Mary Charlotte planted the lilac immediately upon her arrival in Oregon City. She moved five times, replanting it at each one of her homes. And now, the final place where the plant was located in 1883 is where you can find it today. I don't think I could ever just dedicate myself so totally to one kind of flower. Maybe it's ADHD, or maybe I'm just too polyamorous to love one type of plant so completely and loyally as Hilda loves her lilacs. In a way, I could just channel my adoration for flowers of the hour through the container of the podcast and be a tourist to all these gardens with the various societies 
that focus on one particular kind of plant with their own vocabulary and language around loving that plant. I've seen this most especially lately with the rhododendrons as I've traveled to see all the big rhododendron gardens in the surrounding Willamette Valley and talk to folks in the Rhododendron Society about these plants and what makes them so captivating. The same can be found with lilacs, of course, with the advantage over rhododendrons being that you can also eat lilacs, unlike rhododendrons. The International Lilac Society has an extensive database of lilac varieties from all over the world, as well as a yearly convention. I would be in every plant society that I could find if I had the money, so if I ever do end up becoming rich, there will be signs. One thing that lilac has over just about any other flower is that it is a culinary ingredient that could be used in cooking and baking. Lilacs have a delicate flavor that is often described as sweet and floral. They can be used to add flavor to a variety of dishes, including desserts, pastries, and beverages. One of the most popular ways to use lilac in culinary arts is to make lilac simple syrup. To make a lilac simple syrup, simply combine equal parts sugar and water into a saucepan and bring it to boil. Add the lilac flowers and simmer for 10 to 15 minutes or until the flowers have wilted. Remove from the heat and let cool completely. Strain the syrup and store in an airtight container in the refrigerator. I just made a ton of lilac syrup from the bush in my neighbor's yard and I plan on using it to make lilac jelly and kombucha with lilac and blueberry. Lilac syrup can be used to add flavor to a variety of dishes, including pancakes, waffles, French toast, and ice cream. It can also be used to make cocktails and mocktails. In addition to the syrup, lilacs can also be used to make jam, jelly, and candy. They can also be used to flavored baked goods, such as cakes, cookies, and muffins. So if you are looking for a new flavor to experiment in with your baking adventures, may I suggest lilac? Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Who's in Bloom. I hope that I inspired your own love of lilacs to get out there this very brief season and fall in love with them like me. I will conclude this episode again with a poem, as I feel that lilacs lend themselves to lyrical alliterations of my love. This poem is entitled Lilac Bush and is by Hilda Conkling. Lilac princess, swaying in a lavender gown, she looks at no one but straight into the eyes of sky and wind. She may be sad when the rain comes and she may be glad when it goes. Always she has a smile to give to the world. The sun beams on her, gives her glittering rays, helps her remember, but when she was in bud, in clusters, a lavender torch, she trembles, is alive, swaying in the lovely light of evening. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Who's in Bloom on the main RSS feed for the Science Witch podcast. If you would like to access more content like this, including recipes, tarot spreads, Google Sheets, PowerPoint presentations, and a whole lot more, be sure to check us out on Patreon. Until next time, don't forget to stop and adore the flowers. <laughs>